Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. So glad to be back. We're back, baby! And I just can't believe we had a two-month break. A two-month break? For what reason, might you ask? Well, it wasn't intentional. It's just that, uh... Remember when I had that hard drive issue? Well, the new hard drive that I got also failed. And it was a major hassle. Major hassle. I salute you. How I Met Your Mother Lovers. You get that. Um, (laughs) But um, it was a major hassle just trying to get this new hard drive from the company. I'm not going to name them because it looks really bad on them for me to mention the the brand of this company. They were incredibly difficult. They took uh, like almost two months just to like deal with this. They sent me a hard drive. It wasn't the right one. Uh, It didn't have what a a casing that's needed so you can put it in the laptop. Uh, It was ridiculous. And it took them forever to send me that. So, and just like dealing with their customer service where you like get turfed around from department to department. I mean, it was a first world problem, but it is of the most annoying day-to-day first world problems. And it just kept us from coming back as soon as I wanted to. So, I apologize. I also apologize for complaining right off the bat here, but you needed to know why we were gone for so long. It was out of my control. But we're back, and let's not worry about it. We've had a lot of things that have happened over the last couple of months. Um, as you know, joined a improv house team. I've gotten to do some fun shows since. Um, also, a big thing that happened the beginning of November, girlfriend of the show, Justine, and I went down to South Carolina with our friend Elaine Bledsoe, who's in the same indie team that we're on. The indie team name is Boyf. And um, there are seven of us, but only three of us could make it down for the New South Comedy Festival at my old theater, Justina's old theater as well in Greenville. And uh, so much fun. Really good. The three of us just banged out a 25-minute set, and we did uh, a fun form that we learned at the Magnet Theater that we had never done just the three of us before. And it's not the form that our team normally does. But we do really like the form. We had a great job doing it. It was great to see friends and and bring Boyf down to South Carolina so people could uh, see what we've been doing. And uh, we had we had a really great time at the New South Comedy Festival. That happens every November. I guess they're keeping it the same month of Thanksgiving. <laughs> Guaranteeing I'll be buying two tickets to South Carolina in November every year. But uh, submissions for that open up in the summer. So if you sound enticed, or if you are enticed, if you seem enticed, to check out that 
festival, and you can, but it's going to be a while <laughs> before you can submit for that yourself. Uh, but they do sketch, improv, and they do stand-up comedy. So a wide variety of, of things that you can do at that festival. A lot of fun. Really glad to have, uh, to, to have been brought back, and, and uh, we love them. But, you know, one thing that happens when I tra- – because I had to travel a, a few times to South Carolina this last month. And, you know, on Facebook you're connected with everybody. And then, you know, I'm going back home and I'm seeing familiar faces that aren't faces I usually see. And it's – it's since I would I went up one weekend for a wedding and a shoot. I did a shoot with Bigger Brains uh, down in South Carolina. And uh, Bigger Brains, great company if you need – uh, info about how to use things like Excel or Outlook or stuff like that. That's the place to go. Bigger brains, uh, Google them. And uh, so I did a shoot there, and then the next week I was down again for the festival. And so I was back and forth with through South Carolina and, and different comedy scenes, and my brain just got jumbled on people. Like I was down in South Carolina, and I was seeing people who look familiar from New York City. And there were a few magnet people down in South Carolina for the festival. So that didn't help this. I actually was on the same plane as Ilana Fishbein because she was down there doing Sisters 3. And uh, then, like, you know, come back here and I'm seeing stuff on Facebook. We're all connected on Facebook. So I'm like, wait a minute, where is this show that I'm seeing about? On Is it in South Carolina or is it in New York? Uh, and just seeing... Uh, familiar faces everywhere, not knowing where I knew them from. It was, I'm turning 40 in January, and I guess that's the main problem here. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> um, been been a lot of fun, though. I haven't, uh, since we just had Thanksgiving, I actually hadn't been in New York, uh, or at least in, in the Magnet Theater for a minute. And last night was the first night back in what felt like a couple of weeks, but I, I just stepped foot in the theater and immediately was like, ah, yes, there's that feeling. There's that that magic magnet community. Ah, it was really nice to be back. And I happened to be seeing the house team at Magnet called Sexy Baby. And I was Tim Dufresne's last show because he's moving to Virginia. And he's a very, very funny guy and uh, has a big heart. And he was having his last show, so Sexy Baby, a really popular team, was uh, just pulling all the stops. They did a really special send-off for him, so it was uh, it was nice to get to check that out. Um, and, uh, you know, seeing a lot of different improv through the festival and just living in New York, and, you know, there was something I thought of a couple of months ago and wasn't able to share with you because of the computer issues, and I don't have, I don't have much for this. But the term "mumbleprov" came to mind, and I just said, I want to make that a real phrase, "mumbleprov." Um, all I have is the name. I don't have anything to go along with it. <laughs> I don't have, like, obviously, "mumbleprov" would be improv where the people are mumbling. But it's got to be more than just they're not projecting enough for a theater space, you know, like it's got to be more than that. It's, it can't just be that to be called mumbleprov. It's got to be like mumble rap where it's it's something stylistic about it beyond just the fact that they are mumbling. And I want to, 
uh, uh, try to develop uh, that phrase. Like, like, what are the things, what are the attributes of mumbleprov beyond mumbling? Maybe it's like not making bold choices or bailing on choices. Or uh, you go out and somebody suggests something, you just don't jump on it, you just sort of allude to it. It's just unclear. That's, that's it. Uh, uh, improv that is mumbled and the choices that are made are just unclear because people aren't really yes-anding enough. You know, they're not supporting it. They're not really running with it enough. They're not jumping right on whatever is offered enough. They're just sort of, uh, you know, acknowledging it sort of and then indecisively moving forward through the scene uh, while they mumble. And continue to not be heard well. That is mumbleprov. All right, I, I created a new thing. I made up this new thing <laughs> that, uh, you know, it's only somewhat uh, out there. Maybe it's not super pre- prevalent, but I have created a term called mumbleprov. And I already hate it. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, you know, I haven't done stand-up in a while. A lot of people ask me, like, how's comedy going? Are you doing stand-up? How's stand-up going? I haven't really done it a lot because it's hard to get everything done here. It's try- I mean, you know, you're taking classes uh, for improv and got rehearsals for improv and shows for improv and shows you want to see of improv. And you're going to need some nights home. And so I haven't gotten out as much or I've been working and in the rooms that I like I haven't really gone to I don't like going to the rooms that are just comics who don't care and you know it's it's hard to uh, do your joke and see if it is is written well or if you have the right beats for it if nobody's really paying attention they're just looking at their own notes and ignoring you because they don't know who you are and i just don't really feel like jumping through those hoops right now i was you know i was running the gauntlet with improv with the classes and the rehearsals and the shows you know i don't want to also spend 3 4 hours jumping from open mic to open mic just so people will uh, get to know me well enough so they will actually pay attention to me while I talk for three minutes on stage. It's just like that's not how we did things at No Expectations in, in Greenville, South Carolina. If people, especially if they were new, if they came to our mic, we would give them our attention if we were the other comics. I mean, yeah, there are comics who went outside, which is annoying. You know, it's like you want an audience, but then you won't be an audience for other people. Um, so that's obnoxious. But then... You know, if you were in the room, like Michael Channing, and he's in the Asheville, North Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina scene doing stand-up. Super great comic, super funny, nice dude. Also, if he was at the show, he watched every single second of every single comic, and he wanted you to succeed. He wanted to see you do well, and you could get that energy from him watching him perform, and people just don't do that everywhere else, so we were really lucky in the... Greenville and Asheville scene uh, down in the Carolinas because people, uh, if they were in the room, if comics were in the room, they weren't trying to judge you. They were just taking in what you were giving. If they didn't like it, they didn't like it, but they were at least listening and attentive. And it's hard. It, it was so much easier down there to just say, okay, I can tell if this joke has the right beats or if it if it's 
constructed well, if I, if I was clear enough with what I wanted to say. Hard to do that here. Hard to find the rooms where you can. They exist, but do they exist in the time frame that you are available? Well, not necessarily. Ugh, so I haven't done stand-up so much. I'll get back at it. There are a couple of uh, supportive rooms with uh, good people. Uh, here's a thing I'm really excited to do, but a little anxious about, I guess. I don't normally get nervous for shows, but I'm going to do a character show at the Magnet next week. It's on Monday. Very excited about it, but I'm also like, am I going to pull this off? Like, am I going to? I've seen these shows, I've seen the people doing characters here. I don't know how they do it. Like, I think they're all really great. Yeah, I coached a sketch team, but that feels so different. Um, now that I'm living in New York, I'm just like, I don't know if I'm, I'm getting in my head about it. But I have a fun idea. Maybe I'll talk about it after I've performed it on stage. But I've written it. I, I think it's ridiculous. And we'll see if anyone gets it. That'll be next week. I'll uh, let you know what's going on with that. But it's kind of somewhat in keeping with what Lindsay Cat challenged me to do, to go do something I'm not familiar with. And uh, I'm not familiar with doing uh, like character monologues in front of a crowd of uh, really talented people on a stage that usually occupied by very talented people. So, uh, you know, we'll see how I do. I've also, speaking of stand-up, I've noticed that I've sort of forgotten my jokes like, off the top of my head, I couldn't rattle many of them off. I would have to go to notes, which was never the case. Whenever I did stand-up before, I could just write down the name of the jokes and then just launch into it. I knew the segues. I knew how to get into it. Yeah, I, I've sort of lost that. Again, I'm turning 40 in January. <laughs> I can't keep using that as an excuse, I don't think. Uh, well, um, here's a... a <laughs> A totally off-topic thing, and it involves John Mayer. So I was just on Twitter earlier getting ready to get this episode out, and uh, I noticed Billboard, the music publication, and uh, they keep track of people's hits, did a top ten list of John Mayer songs. And here's their list. I don't know why I'm talking about this on a comedy podcast, but I guess it's because I could never get him as a host, and I mean as a guest. And He's a funny guy. He had a comedy show. He's hosted The Late Late Show. So I, that's how I'm going to bring him into this, <laughs> this discussion on a comedy podcast. Here is the top ten, starting with number ten, going to number one, as all top ten lists should go. Get it right, YouTubers. Why are you starting with your number one? Why would I keep watching your video if you start with number one? Okay, number 10, Love on the Weekend. You know what? Solid jam. Number nine, Heart of Life. Okay, it's nice. Don't know if I'd put it in the top 10, but hey, you know what? It's number nine. So it's not like they put it high on the list. Number eight, You're Gonna Live Forever in Me. You know what? Mad respect for giving that song some credit. That's a really lovely and beautiful song uh, that'll make you cry if you've gone through a breakup or lost someone. Ugh. 
Number seven, Daughters. Honestly, I could go the rest of my life never hearing that song, but it was such a big song, right? Bigger than just a song on the radio. Everyone was, you know, sort of into that song at one point. Then it got overplayed. And then it, you know, became something that maybe wasn't fair. But that's what happened. And, uh... I don't know. I don't want to hate on the song, but it is just one of those songs where I get why it's on the top ten list. um, Because it was such a a big song in his career. Definitive, even. Number six, Emoji of a Wave. You know, I do like that song, but it's kind of an interesting choice. Emoji of a Wave. But uh, number six as well, I don't know. Seems a bit high maybe deserves to be in top 10. I don't know if I'd put it at six. Five, New Light. Now, this was my jam this summer. And that is a top five John Mayer song. But he's reached a part of his career where he probably has seven songs that you would say definitely a top five best John Mayer song. That's a good place to be in your career. But, you know, then that's what makes doing these lists a little wonky. Because it's like, no, this should be in the top five. Well, you know, there's... For being fair to these songs, there are probably more than five songs that should be in the top five, and there'll be a few ties. But we don't like to do ties in, in top ten lists. Number four, Half of My Heart. Even John Mayer says that album was half-baked. And that song is, for me, one of the songs that doesn't feel fully there. Definitely not putting it number four. If I get in my top ten. Number three, Stop This Train. Yeah. Mad respect for acknowledging how how big that song, how good that song was. That song is something. And it, it's one of those songs people don't really talk about unless they're huge John Mayer f- fans. But that song is one of the songs that I think solidified him as a more serious person than people maybe realize because of Body is a Wonderland and Daughters. Stop This Train. Oh, boy. Every time I leave my mom's house, I'm like, stop this train. Number two, Free Falling. That's a cover song, and it's not like it's not like Jimi Hendrix doing All Along the Watchtower, where he like, it's his song. That's not John Mayer's song, that's a Tom Petty song. Why is it number two on this list? And number one, Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. Do you notice anything weird about that list? Yeah, it's missing a lot of classic songs. I feel like someone in charge at at social media for Billboard was like, hey, we need some content. Hey, uh, John Mayer's being talked about. Hey, you, why don't you do a John Mayer best of, just do a top ten list, best of John Mayer songs. Oh, you don't know John Mayer music? Ugh, okay, well, listen, just listen to a, two albums, and uh, watch his DVD live show, and then decide the top ten songs. And they just threw something together. Here are songs that would be better that my friend, one of my best friends, who's a musician, uh, and, and just John Mayerhead, said, like, here are some key songs. <laughs> Waiting on the World to Change, Queen of California, Neon, No Such Thing, Why Georgia, Gravity. Six songs, none of them on this list. All of them should be in his top ten. Especially Gravity. How are you forgetting Gravity, Billboard? 
It's also like honorable mention, Edge of Desire, Assassins, Walt Grace. You know, one of the things I talk about with my brother when we see a lot of entertainment articles is I know more about this subject than the person who wrote this. I know off the top of my head that this information is wrong. Here's my source to justify the way I'm thinking about this. Why doesn't this person who has a job and is paid to write about this subject wrong about information? <sighs> well, um, I took too long to talk about that. Let's move on. <laughs> Total deviation, but I just had to get that out because it was bothering me already this morning. Um, something I've noticed, I'm feeling a little more confident in my performance. You probably picked up on it when I said the, everything I was talking about with doing a character show. But, um, you know, I say I'm more confident because I feel like I am a little more confident. I say a little because uh, I'm still sort of second-guessing certain things. I'm still a little hesitant in ways I don't want to be. Uh, that tends to happen, I guess, when you're, it's your first time getting on a house team in a big city. Um, but I was talking to someone about this, uh, and, and he was like, yeah, that's normal. <laughs> you're going to do that for a little bit. So I feel good that that's where I'm at because it's not abnormal to be there. But, oh, man, I just want to, like, do what I came here to do. And I feel like they're, like, um, I don't know, emotional blocks or something that's keeping me from fully doing that. But at least I'm having fun and I'm learning and I'm growing. And I think that's the thing you have to keep focusing on with anything that you're trying to do. Like, the, the process is the progress. I heard that somewhere. I think I mentioned that on this podcast before that I heard that phrase somewhere. I think it was uh, cracked.com, I think, uh, where the CEO or whoever started that was uh, the editor. I think that's what they call writing publication CEOs, the editor-in-chief. But he was saying something about, you know, being as a writer, he kind of took some you know, piddly writing jobs that a lot of people didn't want to do, but, like, that was part of the process, uh, and that process was going to lead to him getting where he is, you know? So that is progress. But when you're in it, it doesn't feel like that, you know? You feel just like, all I see is where I should be, you know, where I'm not and where I want to be, and I'm, I see the distance between me and there, and you just don't see yourself getting better, but you are, um, and so you have to keep focusing on that. This really relates to anything. If you're learning guitar, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're, you're, uh, I don't know, playing basketball or something, you know, like there's so many things that I think this applies to that if, if it's something you want to get better at, it takes time. And I think we're kind of used to things happening quickly because things can happen in an instant. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Kind of, kind of keep your head down. But, you know, well, I don't want to say keep your head down because that gives the idea of, like, looking at the ground and not looking everywhere else and taking in everything. Because this is an exciting time period in, in one's life when you are uh, doing something you want to do and learning and growing through it. Like, you just want to take it all in and enjoy it. So, 
you know, it, it just makes me think again, I'm turning 40 in January. Where am I supposed to be? You know, that can be kind of tough. That can eat at self-esteem and confidence as well. It's like, oh, I should be a lot more successful than I am. I should be doing a lot better than I am. I was listening to this podcast yesterday from the beginning of the year from Mute Math, the band, uh, Mute Math's old drummer, Darren King. And he was saying, you know, I'm 35, which is always annoying when someone younger than you is like, oh, I'm this age. And they already sound like <laughs> I'm struggling with this or like I'm, I'm not sure about that. And it's not only are they younger than you, but they're way more successful. Like Darren King's super successful. He's, you know, Mute Math. He was in that group for 15 years. Groundbreaking group, if you ask me. Really one of the best live shows you can see. He's worked with Kanye West and all these people. And not that. Anyway, he worked on Life of Pablo on one song or two songs or something like that. He's worked with 21 Pilots. Like he, he's a monster on the drums. He's super successful. And the way he got in his head was like, you know, I'm 35, and I just thought, you know, growing up, I was going to be like this legend, this icon. And I'm just like, dude, screw you. Like, how can you have all that success? And he's like getting in his head and having this existential crisis because he's not a legend. <laughs> he's a great drummer. I'm not, I don't mean screw you in the sense of like, let's take him down. I just mean that in a, come on, man, <laughs> like, because you're not a legend, because you're not a legend, you're you're having an existential breakdown. I mean, he was went on to say in the interview, like, he realized how stupid that was. <laughs> in his own words, he was pointing that out. But I'm just saying, for me, when it's like, I'm just trying to have success. I'm just trying to get where I want to be which is uh, stable in, in a career, you know, stable uh, in my day-to-day -day life with, uh, you know, finances or, or what you see everyone around you having, you know. And that's kind of the thing people tell you not to think about, you know, I, not, to, not to look on social media and see how someone else is getting married, having kids, buying a house, you know, whatever, all that stuff. And then seeing yourself not having those things and letting that get to you. And, you know, because, like, that's not all, like, just because they have those things doesn't mean they have everything they want. You know? One of my other best friends was saying, like, you're in New York performing comedy. I'm never going to get to do that. And I'm a big comedy lover. You know? And he is. Like, he nerds out about it the way people who do comedy do. Um... But he's, you know, and he's not going to do that. You know, he's got his own practice, though. He's doing really well. He's got a lovely wife, lovely kids. You know, he is one of those people that I'm like, God, this, you know, he's doing well. And I'm a, I'm not, you know, like, I, I think of it that way. But yet, he's looking at me and saying that same thing. It reminds me a little bit of that story that Jerry Seinfeld told in uh, Comedian, that documentary he was in. And he was... He said he sort of messed up the story, so I don't know what the, how the story's supposed to go, but he was saying some something, I don't even know if it's true, but it was like some band, some jazz band way back in the day, they had to like, their plane had to land in this random place, and then they had to walk somewhere. 
who was like out in the bitter cold and you know he's like lugging they're lugging all this these instruments and stuff and he the the person was walking and uh passed a house and looked in the window and saw this family having dinner and the the musician's response to that was ugh how do people live like that or something to that effect that's what people i guess will always do you know if they're in my position they're looking at people who have stability and all this success and like uh i wish i had that and you know wasn't quite exactly living the way i'm living and then people on the other end are saying like oh you're doing all this stuff that i won't get to do that's so exciting and entertainment and you know they they're sitting there with their stability and their success and they're still wishing they had this other thing that they don't have. I guess that's just the human condition. Maybe I, I should get more like that musician uh, who just looks at other people's lives and is like, oh, I'm glad I'm living the way I'm living. That'd be nice. Well, folks, that was today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope talking about this last couple things I talked about helps you think a little bit. I, I mean, I'm just sharing here. I'm just being open. Because someone said, hey, I like that you're open about where your career is or, or like what, your journey in comedy. And uh, that's, I guess, one of the things that made me want to make this podcast was that people could have a moment and uh, learn some things. And uh, in this one, you're not necessarily learning. I guess the the thing we learn is just to talk about it openly because they're... There are no satisfying answers to the stuff I'm bringing up. And I don't have the wisdom to say, like, well, this is how it should go. Isn't that great? All right. Bye now. You know, like, I, I can't do that. I'm not a guru. Uh, I don't want to be a, a fake uh, life coach because <laughs> I'm kind of tired of hearing about all these people who, I don't know, don't really seem like they're an expert on anything and they're trying to tell other people how to be an expert on things. I'm just like, oh, I don't this is why I talk to people who are doing it on this podcast and why I'm not the only one talking about it because I don't know. I gotta learn too. So hopefully just talking about it is something that uh, encourages people to talk about it themselves. If you want to share, please do. Share where you are. And, and all this stuff that I'm talking about. Hey, share your top 10 John Mayer songs. Just share. You can do it in the comment section on the blog on thereitispod.com. On this particular episode, you can share with us on Twitter and Facebook at thereitispod. You can follow me and the podcast, of course. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes, and Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. I am very excited about the next round of guests that are coming. Cannot wait! Next week's is going to be with Peter McNerney. I referenced him earlier. He was the person I was talking to about like getting in my head about being on a house team. Peter, well, you'll hear all about him next week. He is uh, an excellent improviser. He is an excellent actor, and uh, he's also an excellent teacher. So really great talk with him. We only scratched the surface, uh, but we got a bunch more fun people coming after that. I cannot wait. I'm very, very excited to be back and be sharing all of this with you. Until next time, be good to each other.
The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. 